What do you get when you mix aliens, wizards, and 1950s level racism? The best television show on cable, that's what. On this episode of Forks and Fangs, we start a new Tiny Bite series with a review of HBO's Lovecraft Country. We follow veteran soldier Atticus as he travels across the country in search of his father who's gone missing. It's funny, it's scary, so grab a snack and come on back. Hello, welcome back to Tiny Bites. What's cracking, lacking? What's shaking, baking? <laughs> My name is Denny, and I am with Veronica. Hello. Um, we are here to uh, talk about one of the most critically acclaimed television shows on TV right now, which is Lovecraft Country. Um, we decided that we were going to do a series of Tiny Bites that focuses on this show. Yeah change it up yeah we're gonna we're gonna give you a little a little spice for this next uh next set of shows um so this uh, particular television show is based off of a novel of the same name written by matt, matt ruff ruff yes matt ruff and um we are reviewing this show not because it was um written the book is written by a person of color but because they are it is starring people of color um but the sh television show itself um was written by Misha Green um she's an amazing uh screenwriter she is also known for writing uh the television show Underground uh which is based off of uh Harriet Tubman's story of the Underground Railroad and that one was also popular but cut too early it was canceled unfortunately but we are very thankful because it's a possibility that we probably would have never gotten lovecraft country without that cancellation um mm -hmm. so we're able to see um journey uh smollett once again graced uh the the screen uh, she was in underground i believe and um so this television show um, like I said, it's based off of a book that follows the story of uh, our main character, who is named Atticus. Uh, he is come back from South Korea. Yeah, he um, came back from World War Two, fighting and, during um, the war. He comes to uh, go on a search for his father. Yeah, because his father wrote him a letter, and in the letter, he seemed to be needing help, and he named a place. Um, Ardham. Yes. Yeah, so originally, the main character thought it was based off of Arkham um, Publishing Company that publishes the H.P. Lovecraft stories. Um, but uh, when he shows the, the letter to his uncle, um, his uncle reveals to him that it's not uh, Arkham, but it is Ardham. Um, so it's in the middle of nowhere, and they're having to go and journey to that place to see if they can find... Uh, his father. So when we first meet Atticus, uh, he's on a bus trip on his way to go to Chicago. Um, he's having this crazy ass dream. But, in the, you know, when it starts off, we we don't know that it's a dream. Yeah, it just starts off like him fighting in the war. 
um, for the United States, of course, killing, you know, Japanese soldiers. And then he comes face to face with this, like, um, alien looking spaceship and then comes out from it. It's like a um, green alien lady with, like, red hair asking him to come and come with him to, to go to the spaceship. And then there's this big worm, like a 10, 18 feet big worm looking thing. Probably hot bigger than that. Maybe like 30, 40, 50. It's That's huge. That's true. It's huge. It's huge. And it comes out and it's about to uh, suck up Atticus. But Lord <laughs> and behold, here comes to save the day is Jackie Robinson with his bat. <laughs> and he splits him in half. It's amazing to watch him do that. Um, and he's he finds himself he he wakes up we realize that he's having a dream because he's reading this book in the bus i guess it just transferred into his thoughts and hence the dream yeah so it's based the book that he's reading is uh princess of mars i believe is what it's called and it's based off of a hp lovecraft story um and for those who don't who aren't familiar with hp lovecraft he is basically one of a very prolific writer who is known for creating like this horror genre type of a book mm-hmm. um but who was also uh, blatantly racist who um <laughs> believed in the ideas of Hitler um and supported lynching so you know he was definitely not for the people all the people um <laughs> So, but what this novel has done is taken a twist on his stories and made um, black people the main character um, of this novel. And uh, I know we we talked about on our on our Instagram posts about whether non people of color should write books. Yeah, about you know giving the voices to people of color, and there were some people who disagreed, and some who, who um, who well, did. Yeah, with the you know with the question. Um, but what I really particularly, I I haven't had a chance to read the book all the way through because mm-hmm. time is something um, that is is small. But <laughs> um, the parts that I did read, he has done an amazing job of. Uh, basically stepping into the shoes of black people and writing it in such a way where you don't feel like he's playing into the stereotypes. stereotypes. Um, and um, and then to watch uh, Misha Green take it and even just spin it even further is amazing. Um, amazing to watch. And with the first episode, it's just like layers on layers of everything because we initially know that it's a horror show horror sci-fi show and um you know when you when you think about horror you're initially talking about like you know monsters and killing people living underneath your beds and things like this but it also intertwines um the issue of racism in a way that definitely that's a whole nother layer of horror in itself Mm -hmm. um so after we meet Atticus he he gets to Chicago at his uncle's house and he reveals to him this letter and so they decide that they're going to set out 
and go on this mission. And on the trip accompanying them is um, Letitia. Letty. And she is played by the wonderful Journey Smollett. And um, they venture out and it seems like, it's you know, this is going to be a nice trip. And then they decide that they're going to make a pit stop at a restaurant uh, that his uncle had heard about. And um, it's called Lydia's. And when they get there... Lydia's is gone. It's non-existent. It's non-existent. The red brick wall is gone. Um, and then Atticus had this question for his um, uncle, like, what happened? Can you tell me what happened to the White House after it got burned? Why, or white House, why, why is the White House white? Right. And then, so he was explaining, like, the history. It got burned, so they painted it white. And then, then and there, Atticus, like, moved the floors. And, indeed, the floors of the restaurant were burnt. And Letty was screaming. Yeah, because she had gone in the back to use the restroom. And she overheard (laughs) the waiter on the phone. Calling the police. And telling them, hey, you know, these people are here. No, I haven't served them anything to eat. Yeah. Because he's shocked that they sat down. Yeah, like these black folks yeah. coming into this restaurant and then just sitting and acting like they can order food from here. And um, so thankfully Letty overheard them in time where she basically was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and they dip out and um, they're at, at that point they're in like a car chase scene with the like. I guess we can assume is like a police officer yeah. followed by a, a fire truck. truck. So <clears throat> they're chasing them out of the city. And um, it, not just chasing, like shooting, shooting them. them. They're tra- attempting to kill them. Yes. You know, not necessarily chase them, but killing kill them. them. And um, so they're, they're trying to get out. And I think it is at this point, um, Letty is driving, mm-hmm. and we see another car, which is like a silver Bentley, that's pulling up to the scene and um, help basically intervenes and yep. cuts the the truck off, and she ends up like running. The car ends up running into the truck yep. in a way where you see the car stop. And the truck hits it, and but it doesn't hit it directly. It's like this huge block of space, but it goes flying in the air, and the people are dead. And then you see this white chick get out of the car. Looking at Tick. And Tick was just like, fuck no, run. Let's go. Let's get up out of here. And um, so they end up going to Letty's brother's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Martin. And um, and then the brother is kind of like filling them in on the uh, the sheriff of the town, and you know basically he's no good. He's racist cop. He's got like, you know, cases on cases from NAACP mm-hmm. uh, that has like these different issues with him, and people are now disappearing, and they don't know why. And it, you know, the brother is kind of like either it's the sheriff or there are monsters in the woods that we just don't know that's eating up all the people. Mm-hmm. And um, when we see them next morning, uh, they're heading out and uh, they go to a town that is a sundown town. So a sundown town uh, during the Jim Crow eras is basically a place where you, 
if you were there and the sun is down, anything could happen to you. You could be killed, you could be arrested. Um, black people had curfews during the Jim Crow era. So you had to be home, you had to be in your neighborhood by a certain time. Or else. Or else. And um, the sheriff approaches them in the woods. And it's a very interesting conversation as to, you know, him asking them what they're doing there. And um, he basically tells them, hey, you have until what? I think the sun was going down at what? 7.09? Yeah, they basically have six minutes to get out of his town. And if not, he's going to kill them. Or he's going to do whatever he needs to do with them. Mm-hmm. What he told them was like, I, I can hang you in those trees. So... Again, it was a car chase with the intention of them beating, being killed. Um, and they had this like moment of success because they got in off that, that town line um, at the right time. But then when they got to the next town, it was also a sundown town. And there were like four police cars in front of it, including the sheriff that Martin was talking about. It was a trap. That was a straight-up trap. Yep. And um, they ended up uh, walking them into the woods. And it, it appears that they're about to kill them in the middle of the woods. But before you know it, you start to hear, like, some rustling in the, in the woods. And... Yep. and some weird sounds, like animal sounds. So everybody is, like, you know, very alert, looking around. Everybody had guns up. And um, Letty... Tick and Uncle George were on the floor in the ground because they were, you know, being questioned. And then all of a sudden, there's this monster looking thing that just grabbed the sheriff's arm and ate it. And that where it really started. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody was just panicking. They were trying to to shoot shoot these uh, things, monsters. So it's basically like a big worm. Yeah. An exaggerated big worm. With a no. bunch of eyes all over its head. And then like little arms. And... It also kind of looked like a mole to me. Yeah, because it digs to the it, ground. Yeah. It grows arms and legs whenever it wants to. But it can just function as like a big worm. Mm-hmm. Worm is cute. It's not. This is not cute. This was not cute at all. And um... They were able to get away, and they found a, a vacant, um, like, cabin, and um, that is where they ended up, and they were trying to, you know, be safe and figure out, okay, their uncle, Uncle George, had gotten left out there, yeah. and they were trying to figure out, you know, what was going on, what were the, those creatures, how could they be safe? So, um, they then figured out that light deterred them um, mm-hmm. because the the uncle was able to make it to the cabin with a flashlight with a flashlight and he was he figured out they were kind of like vampires and that was what kept the the monsters away so you have not only uh, Atticus Letty and Uncle George in the cabin you also have the sheriff and another police officer yeah the sheriff that was bit with no arm um, and then another police officer. So, at some point, the sheriff started was <laughs> starting to turn. That's how I call <laughs> people like this. He started to turn in one of those monsters. And then, 
they were they were telling the other you know police officer to just shoot the sheriff but he didn't so he got bit so now these two police officers are now the monsters so take has just to kill all of them luckily um letty prior to the sheriff turning um the sheriff basically told letty that she had to go to the car and get it and and get the car so that she can be able to you know fiend off the the monsters so you're sending this girl out into the woods who was fucking fast as hell. She got to that car so but fast. But I was so hella scared. I'd be oh, scared. I'd hey. be like, you know what? I just got to die today. We, I'm dying. Good night. <laughs> I'll see y'all later. Deuces. I, I don't think I could um, make that run. But she, she ran up out of there so fast. Um, and she was able to bring the car back. So it ran, when she came in, she ran into the cabin. She ran into the cabin and it hit the the sheriff that is now a monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Officially killing him. Yeah. And then, um, the other ones came to the cabin. The yeah. other monsters that were out there found them. They and, were basically surrounded. Yeah, so they were using, like, flares and flashlights and fire and everything to keep them away. And then all of a sudden, there's this whistle, and they disappear. And mm-hmm. that's basically, what, the end of that, that first episode. Yeah, no, they they come out of the cabin, and they found this big-ass house in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah, that's right. How could I forget that part? And then they were just, like, walking and walking. And then they saw this big tower, castle-looking thing. And then they knock on the door. And then this guy opens the door and says, Welcome home. And he's weird-looking. He's blonde. And his face looks like it's been waxed a thousand times over. Yeah, he looked like... If you watched Twilight, he looked like Carlisle. But a bad version. Like... Like a really, really bad version of mm -hmm. Carlisle. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, and uh, he tells him, welcome home, which is like, welcome home. You white. Who are you? How is my house? <laughs> so that is the end of the first episode, which was amazing. And this, the second episode, to round that one out quickly, is basically now they find themselves in this in this castle. And Letty and Uncle George seem to be like celebrating where they are. Yeah. Um, Uncle George is like reading all the books. His room has like all of these books that he's just so excited about reading. And in Letty's room, it's just clothes clothes galore. She had one outfit on that was the bomb. It was the blue and green. (laughs) She didn't choose that when she wanted to be an equestrian. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. She wanted, I mean, look, riding boots are everything. It's almost riding boots season. Yeah, she needs, she needed the pants yeah. for the next scene. <laughs> it's a look. But um, while they were living high on life in their rooms, Atticus is just like sitting there trying to figure out what the fuck did we just endure the night mm-hmm. before? And where am I dad? Where's my dad still? Right. So Letty and Uncle George, um, when they all meet up together, Atticus found out that their memories have been erased and they don't really know what's going on so they were eating breakfast and they figured out like oh these motherfuckers are trying to do something to us mm-hmm. and Atticus was like my dad is still somewhere out there they they saw their car their car was like not even damaged and then so now Letty 
and Uncle George is now like, what is happening? Like, because they don't they don't recall anything happening. Yeah. They actually think that Atticus is basically in shell shock mode. Yeah. Um, because of you know him being Noir and a soldier stuff. and everything, so they don't quite understand. They don't get it. Um, until they you know decide that they're going to walk. Around town area, which is kind of weird because where they were walking, the people who they are near are kind of like dressed in older time clothing, almost Amish looking. Yeah, and um, then they encounter like this woman who Uncle George asked if she was the sheriff. She has these two dogs that would not stop growling at them, and it's this humongous tower that's behind her. And he asked, is that the is that the prison? Is that the mm-hmm. jail? And she's like, No, that's just where we keep our our black bears that roam and find themselves in our village and we end up having to kill. And you could tell that when she's talking about black bears, she's talking about black people. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, she kinda like brushes it off and their protection from her is basically saying, Hey, we are um, the guest. Of the that. guest of what's her? What's her name? Claire, Bright Brightway, Wait. Yeah, Catherine. Her name's Catherine. Catherine, and um, so yeah, so it keeps the wild dogs from chewing them up. Um, but when they leave her, they go out into the woods, and it is in that moment that Letty and George, for a quick second, remember what happened when they saw the monsters reappear mm-hmm. and attempt to to uh, kill them but they're then saved by the same woman who saved them when the sheriff not the sheriff but the um firemen that were chasing them down in the town previous yeah in the sundowners town she appears again and um she basically is like you know those are our guard dogs yeah and you take George and Letty back to the palace castle whatever they call it Mm -hmm. but they still don't remember they have now forgotten again Mm -hmm. and then buddy was like did they did i do it again so now they know something is up that these people are playing with their minds emotions and memories so letty and uncle george goes home to the castle and then um tick is now with um this lady catherine brace Braithwaite mm-hmm. and she brings Tick to to her dad and her dad is getting like her his, his liver l- taken out like a part of it taken out it was just weird and disgusting and wrong it was like what why is this why is this here? what is going on but no I don't think he was under any anesthesia nope. like it was just yeah so casually it being taken out and then now he meets this like white man that is just full of mystery wouldn't tell them what is going on so he was just like so where is my dad and he was like nope i don't want to see him till till tomorrow morning after like sunrise or something like that so he no he has there's a reason for Atticus to being there and it is because this man is the girl's father and um we basically find out that this that this family is basically like 
a version of the KKK, but like, like you talk about grand wizards, but these were actually like real wizards. Like they were magical people. <laughs> yeah, they have magic. <laughs> So magical racist people, um, <laughs> and uh, the magical plan that they had that they're trying to set forth is basically bringing Eden back to the world. And in order to do that, they need Atticus because Atticus is the last remaining blood relative of the original founder of this like secret society, who goes by the name of Titus Braitwith. Um, uh, he needs him in order to like channel Eden to come back and basically open the gate open the gate and he does this by shooting Letty and his uncle when they attempt to escape mm. and um they magically heal Letty which is scary for her because uh, I guess she's like I was dead and now I'm alive like what is going on yep. but um um, uncle is still he's in pain mm -hmm. but they said that they could bring him back as long as Atticus helps with bringing Eden back mm -hmm. and um, they begin that process that ritual and what does what does uh, Atticus see so Atticus basically see um, his great 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 grandmother mm -hmm. that goes by the name of Hannah so we come to find out that Hannah was impregnated by Titus Braithwaite, and she is now, I guess, part of this descendant because um, she is she's pregnant and she's running away from the castle um, in order to save her herself and her baby. And um, um, so he sees her in that portal, mm -hmm. and I guess for him it clicks like. You know, yo, this is this is my people. Yeah, because Miss Hannah is black, Titus is white. So mm -hmm. basically, who knows what they what they did to her? If it was consensual, if it was like you know, oh. sexual assault. No, ma'am. Pro probably not. So S slave rape. Yeah. So <laughs> she burned that shit down. She burned that house down. Yeah. So there's no consensual. Mm. happening. No, she's like, let me get the fuck out of this crazy ass place. And then save my baby. Yeah. And so. in doing so, Atticus is then born. And we realize, I think, I think for us, we realize in that moment that he also possesses magic as well, that he's different. Mm -hmm. And, um, he has it, but it's not, I guess, amplified because he is, he's born into normalcy. Yeah. So he's able to kill. Um, homegirl's dad and all the other men who are kind of like the helpers of yeah of the KKK <laughs> <laughs> of the the real grand wizard people <laughs> and um, they get out the the house collapses turns into ashes and Atticus makes it out everyone else makes it out but unfortunately um, his uncle George does not survive because he doesn't survive the the gun wound from mm -hmm. earlier in the episode. Because they didn't really cure him. No, they didn't. So that is how those two episodes end. What do you think, like, stood out the most to you, for you, for that, for this, for this whole, the last two shows that we watched? Um, to me, in the first episode, it was just them 
Because I guess, you know, I came from a different country. So to me, running away and, like, you being chased by police officers and just with the guns and everything was just so, like, but why? Why? They're just passing through. Why? You know, like, people tend to forget being included that that was a reality not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And... It is one of, like, the horrors in the mo- like the movie, the series. So I was just, like, you know, just to think of, like, me not being able to eat, like, for example, with you in a restaurant, it's just mind-blowing to mm-hmm. me. And I might not be even there. Like, you know, I was not in the picture. I was the one in World War Two on the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just, like, passing through a city... When the sun sets, I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why? What is the reason for all of this bullshit? It's fucking hate and fear and, you know, so to me, that was, that was the one that's, that really, I mean, stayed with me up until now, mm-hmm. um, from the first episode, the, just the disbelief and I am lost for words. Um, yeah. The second episode was probably... Um, when Uncle George died, I was just like, God dang it. We rewatched it for the second time today, and I still teared up at that part where it just, it was so gut-wrenching, because Uncle George's character is played by Courtney Vance, who is a very, very good, amazing actor. It's been in the game for years, married to Angela Bassett. That's like... (laughs) cinematic black royalty right there so to see him play this role and you're and just then like die. and die because I was really hoping I'm like oh man I was hoping to see him you know throughout the entire series like to see what his story was because we've come to find out that he has like this thing that goes on between him and Atticus mother so we're kind of like clueless as to who's Who's his? Who's Atticus' real father? Is it the dad that actually raised him, or was it his uncle? So that really, you know, like hurt my heart to see him, you know, die in that in that last scene. And you, the uh, I can't remember his first name. I, oh, Jonathan Majors, who plays Atticus, really just like lived that hurt. Like he acted the yeah. shit out of that part. I would, cause damn, I cause I really feel like Uncle George is really Tick's dad. Mm. So, cause the brother, like Uncle George and like Tick's Tick's dad, had this like conversation about, oh, you gotta you gotta be nicer to that kid, you gotta love that kid more, and he was basically like telling his brother off, like you can't tell me how to raise my own son. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't tell me how to talk to my own son. Like, those kind of words. So, he, he's probably, there, there's some, there's some backstory to what, to who Tick really belongs to. Mm-hmm. Who Tick's mother is and her, like, I guess her ancestors and who they are and their past. But and Also, like, you have this huge mystery as to, like, what does that mean for for Atticus going forward? Yeah, because I mean, we did see the preview for the next episode and somehow they come about with getting money and they're able to start doing different things and they move into a white neighborhood and so 
it's interesting you know i'm i can't wait the episode is already out but we've decided to pace ourselves in watching this show but i'm interested to see how how they go about tackling this misha green uh who i already stated was um the who who is the woman behind Mm -hmm. the creation of this show um on her Instagram post, which I absolutely love, 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 love. Every single episode, she gives a breakdown, you know, in a certain kind of way of like, oh, here's the screenplay. Here's a copy of the handwritten notes. Here's the storyboard. Mm-hmm. And working up unto getting this show out, she has a, some posts. And when you're writing, you just... You know, some people think, okay, you when you're writing a story, it's just whatever comes out of your head mm-hmm. and you write it down. But when you are a good writer, you are doing the research. And she has, like, these stacks of books. She has a book that is all about sundown towns. She has The Warmth of Other Suns, which is a, is a really good book that talks about the migration of black folks from the south up to the north Mm. um all of these different pieces of literature that you see her like you know devouring and using in order to write this story and that this is a person that did their homework they're not just throwing up random images she's actually diving in and wanting to get a little bit more in the details of the story uh, that the original writer has drafted for her to use and create from and I think that's why it's really effective because, like, you really feel the emotion. Mm-hmm. You you feel, like, a sense of urgency, a sense of, like, um, hopelessness, almost fear. Because mm-hmm. it's the real deal. It's what really these people have faced during that time, the time period in America. And, yes, it has, like, magic. It has this all, like, you know, superfluous things in it. But it doesn't take away from what is the reality in that show. Right. Because there's like kind of these two realities. You know, what is really happening in the world and then a layer of this like magical wizardry that's happening like that not everybody's seeing. And I think in a way it asks us, the viewer, it's asking us which one is the actual horror story that, you know, that we're watching. Is it the monsters? Or is it, like, the racism that's happening? Because even Letty was, you know, when they were, like... When Tick just had to, like, come out of the car because they were going in circles in mm-hmm. that one town and the, in that one sundowner's town. Tick was, like, you know... Oh, he was standing up and, like, by the bushes and Letty came over and Letty was, like, Ooh, what is that sound? And Tick was, like, Oh, it's, like, this this type of monster. And Tick... And Letty was, like, Oh, it's a blob. We can run off a blob, <laughs> and then you see this police officer car in the background, and it makes you feel like they can run run away from a blob, like this, you know, magical blob or like this mysterious blob. But here comes the real fear in the back of them that they don't even know, and that remained there even when the monsters did show up. Yep, they were still invoking fear into these people. Mm-hmm. refusing to give them a gun to help, refusing them to give anything. And all of them were in the same amount of danger. Yep. They're expecting these people to be like the sacrificial lambs so they can be alive. Right. That's why they let Letty run. Because if, if Letty was a white girl, 
that other that other police officer would have been running. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> you won't see no no woman run to the car. It's and not if like, this was a classic horror film and it was a white girl, she would have ran, but she would also have fallen and broken her ankle and gotten got by that monster. She <laughs> it would have been a wrap for her. So um shout out to uh Journey for running <laughs> like Manute Bowl. I'm not Manute Bowl, but who's uh Usain Bolt. <laughs> Manute Bolt is a basketball player. <laughs> he also runs. <laughs> but um yeah, the the level of fear there is just like multi-layered in this show and it is just well well written. And um can we talk about the the soundtrack? Yeah. Woo. Um Rafael Sadiq who also does the music for Insecure um man the music i i just wish he was here so we could interview him and ask him like <laughs> why? why did you choose this song him and along with the woman i think her name is lauren cartman mm-hmm. um both uh worked on the music i think she does the like the main score and then like all yeah. like the regular music that we hear like the marilyn manson all of that mm-hmm. was picked by rafael sadiq because even like the main score you know like it is like it's so like on point like the feelings mm-hmm. and then the for you to become like really scared those like little moments those are very subtle but not overdone right cuz other times you know horror movies can be like it's all about the you know the fearful sounds like the dun 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 or something like that these are these are very subtle subtle moments and the songs are you know, you 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 kind of be like, huh, huh, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and I really like how they've chosen to use Center Man as the basically as the theme song because it has. I don't yeah, know if it continues right. on with the rest of the show, but the last, the last, the first two, and the second yeah, episodes, the episodes have it as the last in the credits. So I'm guessing that it's kind of like the the Probably. theme song for it. Yeah. Probably. So, and that's Alice Smith that's singing it. She's singing the Nina Simone version, and Alice Alice Smith is a, is a, she her voice is not to be played with. <laughs> She's a great singer. So for them to use that version is a good choice. And the See, even the versions that he he chose, mm-hmm. why not why not pick the original? Mm-hmm. Why her? But what he has done was. In the first and the second, Nina Simone, in a way, has shown up because they they played one song. They played Center Man, even though it's sung by Alice Smith. We known, mm-hmm. you know, that it is it was made popular by Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then they play. I think they have another Nina Simone song in the second episode, either the second or the first. But they doubled up on it. Um, so and then they have Gil Scott Heron, Whitey's on the Moon, which is also the title of the second episode, yeah. and that that recording, I had it on on CD, and played that sucker out, <laughs> and then gave it to someone because I was just so in love with this CD. I was also in love with this person, <laughs> which was probably a humongous mistake to give them my CD. Cause I never got my CD back. 
I need to get that recording back. But that all right, all right, that track, I, so I would if, play over If you're listening, Homegirl oh, needs her they CD probably back. Are. <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> send it back to me. Amazon, however. <laughs> but um, Gil Scott Heron was an amazing uh, writer in itself. And so for them to use that version, because it's a classic song that basically is like, we out here, black folks struggling, and Whitey's out there exploring space. That's true. That's the, <laughs> and that is still the case That's to this still day. The case. Elon Musk, <laughs> if you out there, we talking about you, homie, having all that money, sending cars out of space. We still out here struggling. <laughs> yeah, and it actually happened. Like, um, I forgive me because I don't remember who what. Who was it? But they were sending a space shuttle, some some sort of like thing into space, and somebody was just got killed, and it was happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it's very recent. Yeah. But forgive me, world, if I don't remember I mean, who that was. Probably him. Uh, SpaceX. Yeah, that's his branch. <laughs> so, but I mean. Th- what they've done on this show, I'm interested. I hope they just win all the awards. I'm I'm very interested. I love sci-fi. That's like my thing. Mm-hmm. I love sci-fi. I love magic. I love I love the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm hella scared, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the scaredyest cat in the world. But I'll read it. It's different when you see it. <laughs> Because you, I can downplay it in my head, no problem. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, keep reading. This is so good. <laughs> when you see it, I'm like, oh, shit. Why did I decide to watch this? And in the beginning, I thought this was just sci-fi. I missed a little bit that it was horror. Um, So my partner right here omitted <laughs> that part. Because if, if, if I had started with that, you wouldn't have watched it. Hell no. But, you know. We're doing it for the culture. So we got to watch it. <laughs> and gotta I was just like, it. why am I scared? I thought this is sci-fi. <laughs> and I'm just like, where is that sci-fi? Where it is was that in fi-? there in the beginning. You had aliens and robots. But that was robots. it. And I'm like, why, why, why is there more killing <laughs> than, than, than the um, supernatural stuff? It's kind of like aliens. I mean, aliens was sci-fi but yeah. and horror mixed together. And uh, Misha Green has been quoted as saying, like, she really loves horror. That's, like, her element. That's where she lives. That's where she thrives. And Go for it, it definitely girl. shows in her work. So I'm hoping that this... How many, how many episodes are these? Like, ten? I don't know. I'm guessing ten. That's usually the HBO marker for, for a season is, like, ten. Which, I don't know who started the whole ten episode series but I absolutely love it because you know you're not having to wait you know how like television shows just go on the hiatus during the winter months and then you would come back and you've forgotten all of it and you're like what what where are we they left on a cliffhanger it's like but a good solid 10 and not only just the 10 but some are doing like the one and done so like the Watchmen series is just one season Little Fires Everywhere was just one season I, I I like that because the commitment level is easy to do. 
Yeah, and they make it really well because they don't have to drag no story. Unlike when you're watching Game of Thrones, which I absolutely loved, and then every Before time I, I think about that fucking ending... Never watched it. I, cr- I cry. But it's also mm-hmm. a television show that I would recommend for you to watch because it's really, it's really good up until... <sighs> The last, the last season, R.I.P. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But that's one thing that's hard when you're having to build a television show off of a book that hasn't been written yet. You're trying to make it work, but that's true. Um, I really love the that that ten, ten episode span. It really works. Um, so on this note, we're going to just wrap it up. So, yeah, for me, I'm interested. Um, It was a little bit confusing in the beginning. So I'm like, what is going on? What is happening? But I think if you just stick with it and just try to open your mind to different realities of the world. And I think you'd really enjoy the show. Yeah, it'll definitely definitely pay off. So we want to say thank you for listening to another episode of Tiny Bites. Um, we will definitely start talking about what we're thinking about food for this show. So we were talking about like, you know, in, in our tiny bites episode, we always have like our forks and fangs episode. We always have a little bit of some munchies with, with what we're doing, but, um, we didn't get a chance to do do it for the these two episodes but um we were just talking like since it's all about the gore and the horror for this um for these ser- series um i posed a question to veronica it's like what food is like so messy to eat but you still enjoy eating it um the, uh, uh, burritos for sure anything or like, any kind of wrap i mean anything that is like a folded piece of Thin material that you have to make egg rolls, spring rolls, anything that's wrapped up that and it's not fried, it makes it hard to like eat without <laughs> falling apart, getting on your clothes. It's it's messy. It's definitely you know sometimes you go to those places and they'll make a burrito that's like really really thick. And it's not one that you can just bite into. So sometimes I have to cut it in half. And then I'm like shoveling the food out instead of eating it whole. And it's like, it's, why Why am I buying this stuff? It's it, making me do more work than I just than eating I your food. To. So I'm a messy eater. So everything gets on my clothes. <laughs> um, that's not a secret. If you are my friend, you would know that. So, but. I love eating. Um, I'm the meat eater, so I love eating ribs. And that's always messy. Spaghetti. That always oh, gets into my clothes. Yes. And also your regular old seafood boil. The crab, the shrimp. Shout out to Hot and Juicy. I miss you. I miss you guys. Is that a restaurant? <laughs> yes. Done by Colonial. Oh. Done by Miel's. <laughs> Hot and juicy. Yep. Like hot and juicy crabs? Yep. And there's this other one that's that I bl- love more, but I forgot their name. But they're on males too. So they're they're all just in there. Um but yeah, they're really messy. You need a bib. I need a whole like curtain, a smock in front of me. But I enjoy the food. 
condiments do the same thing for me. Like, it's not... You and your condiments. It's not food. <laughs> I say that now is, and tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it is like opening up a time bomb for me. <laughs> because, you you know, you go, you're, you're let's say you're going to eat a hot dog. And you got to squeeze the ketchup. And it's usually those big bottles of ketchup someone's gotten from Costco and you're having to squeeze like a steady stream and either you squeeze and nothing comes out you squeeze and it's just like a fart you know like it's just like (laughs) and it just like splats everywhere and it kind of shoots up on your clothes and then sometimes you squeeze and you squeeze too hard because you think you're not squeezing enough and then it's like Covered. Your food is covered in mustard, covered in ketchup or whatever you're putting on there, and it. I I just can't with when it comes to condiments. Or sometimes you know, like you put your mustard and stuff in the refrigerator, and you take it out, you get ready to use it, and you don't like shake it, mm. and you just squeeze it, and then it's like all watery. I'm like, where, where is this water coming from? It's gross. But it it's is the nasty. Truth. It's a it's truth, and we still eat it. And then your shit is all soggy. It's soggy bread. <laughs> I just can't with the with the condiments. But I have found a, a mayonnaise bottle recently that kind of has like this shield over it. The one we got but downstairs it <laughs> comes out. It is from Kraft Real Mayo with olive oil. With olive oil, <laughs> it's the oil. But it it has this like little plastic cone around it and whoever invented this bottle not only the cone because it's never gotten to a place where it like it just you know splatters everywhere it's like the perfect amount of like oozing out of the bottle <laughs> it's not a lot this is not sponsored it's, by the way we got hey craft holler if you hear me i love your macaroni and cheese in the box but the the the, what you've done to your mayonnaise you almost have had an engineer in there and we uh, salute you thank you <laughs> for your services because they probably had the same issue as me <laughs> messy food man you just want to eat your eater. food you don't want to wear it I do all the time I don't pick a time and a place <laughs> cake, cake does the same thing to me falls off my clothes you rice work. I'm a messy eater, admittedly. Ice cream, anything. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Do you remember, like, if you have, like, spots on your clothes, like, you could say, oh, I know what I ate. Hell yeah. It's like a constellation of food surprises. Yeah. It happens to me all the time at work, so thank God I don't wear my own clothes at work, because it happens, like, juice, drinks, anything. <laughs> I'm I'm very clumsy. I don't know how I survived like this whole 33 years of my life and also how I survived as a nurse but yeah I, I do the splatters everywhere so shout out to the people that clean the hospital whoop, whoop. and for the messy eaters out there yeah and just the clumsy people like me mm-hmm. so this concludes our little chat our little our little chat with the people um, we hope that if you have not started to watch Lovecraft Country, that you will join us on this journey. I really want to read this book. Oh yeah, me too. But you know, we got a we got a lot of stuff. But I'm gonna get there. We're gonna get there. 
we're reading all the things. We hope that you're reading along with us. If not, that you pick up somewhere. But um, we want to say thank you for joining us for episode 11. Oh, 11. 11. So far. Yeah. Two digits. I feel so proud. <laughs> so proud of what we've oh, done. Oh, by the way, we have a website. Our website oh, is up and running. Yes, vulgargeniuses.com. Shout out. Yeah, come through, you know, sign up. Let us know your email information so we can bombard you with the good stuff. Your 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 Yahoo account with <laughs> Hotmail. Like Basil's Hotmail. <laughs> Any of those, your earthling whatever you got, send it to us. We wanna know. We wanna stay in touch. So check yeah, us out. We there. have a website. And also our Instagram's still up and running. I've a vogel at the at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. <laughs> so join us. Part, pardon me. Join us on, on the web, on the internet. And um, until then, we bid you adieu. Au revoir. Good so night. Long. Farewell. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.